0: <laughs> I might lose a significant part of my mouth. Yeah, see, that's that's Within what I'm saying. Not only are we doing
1: a, a weekly episode this month, you're also going to be in a lot of dental oral pain, which is. Not super conducive to broadcasting. But it is kind of
0: scary and also slightly mm-hmm. spooky. Mm-hmm. If you factor into it the fact that someone's gonna core out a part of my skeleton, uh, that's kind of spooky.
1: Yeah, I mean, root canals are definitely the stuff of body horror. Yeah, yeah. Of gore. You're gonna be in your own personal Saw film. That is not... Ideal,
0: not a dream I've had, you no. know, not something I've, I've been writing about in my diary. It's also kind of like Hellraiser.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should
0: never have solved that Rubik's except,
1: Cube. Except in Hellraiser, there's also an element of pleasure. Here, I don't know if you're going to get super erotically charged by root canal.
0: Yeah, I don't think the root canal is going to erotically charge me, but painkillers do make the world slightly a little bit more groovy. Then it generally oh, is oh yeah
1: so very groovy i'm not that's why all the soundcloud rappers fantasy? are on the zannies all day
0: zanny the nanny <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously uh rest in people peep r.i.p xxx 10 temptation we we miss you who's the other one <laughs> i don't know uh, you, were, you were
0: talking about Little Peep and I was like, is that like a baby chicken? Is this what becoming an old man feels like, Louis? Like, I don't know. Exactly. Like, who are these people you just listed? <laughs> are they dead?
1: Should I send their they family a note? They're, they both died earlier this year and they released a collab single just like a couple of weeks ago. Before or after dying? This is like oh, a After thing. dying. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> Am I
0: missing the next
1: Tupac? No, uh, no, (laughs) no, don't worry. Oh, right, 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 right.
0: Okay, cool. (laughs) Because I am a little bit afraid of missing out on good rap.
1: I mean, there's some really good rap, but it wasn't Lil Peep. But Lil Peep
0: (laughs) was on drugs.
1: Oh, very much so. Okay. Generally, I think it's a part of America's larger opioid crisis and and a lot of young rappers are are falling victim to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the mole that indicates cancer. Yeah, they're the canary in the zany coal mine right
0: Ooh. now. That sounds like a really sleepy mine to be in.
1: <laughs> That's why there are so many health and safety violations.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> That brings us to the end of the
1: Xanax hour. When we check in on SoundCloud rappers and uh, opioid addiction. Yeah. (laughs) That usual show that we always do every time.
0: Every single day. That brings us to... (laughs) Halloween Werewolf Appreciation Month on Be Positive, the mightiest podcast of
1: Halloween that's my howl i hope Fuck, i'm But take- that was such a scary atmosphere you just did there fraser i really loved it yeah yeah
0: it all happened in your imagination while we're recording but it's gonna sound so dope of course i am fraser i am Louie. and welcome to be positive the positive b-movie Podcast. The
1: positive b-movie podcast
0: yes synced up perfectly perfect sync Every time. We're so in sync, right? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. This week, marking the first week of Werewolf Appreciation Month, our special Halloween edition, we watched Helen Keller versus Night Wolves by St. James <laughs> Street James.
1: <laughs> yeah, so just from the title, already there's a lot going on here did you know what to expect going into this movie
0: well i'll tell you two things that i did expect i expected Mm -hmm. someone named helen keller yeah who is uh visually and or orally 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 that's the word orally okay (laughs) uh visually and orally impaired not orally she can still talk uh i expected that and i expected Wolves in the night, Mm -hmm. nighttime wolves.
1: Now, did you expect werewolf? I did expect werewolves a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess these technically aren't werewolves or they're not called werewolves, but in the very like foundational werewolf Uh, werewolf (laughs) mythology they are usually represented as fully turning into complete wolves like not the um, kind of humanoid giant wolf things that we're probably going to be seeing a lot of this month
0: especially in the coming weeks the way i see it is we're starting at a normal looking wolf Mm -hmm. but some of these wolves have red glowing eyes and that's kind of werewolfy it is and we're building our way up to something really special
1: ah i can't wait but this i think was also something special oh yes do you want to hit us with a super quick uh plot synopsis
0: all right helen keller is a woman who can see hear feel smell do all of the things. She is out in the backyard with her family, and family gets attacked by night wolves. Helen wolf. goes deaf from the shock, and a wolf claws yeah. out her eyes, so she's blind too. Within one day, she learns how to read lips and also do some daredevil level shit. Uh, there's a training montage, yeah, yeah. and she kills all the night wolves with a
1: sword. Yeah. That's pretty much the whole story yep. uh, right there. Some of the other notable characters we're treated to are um, William, her very flamboyantly gay brother, Yes. Anne Sullivan, who is also a real person, who was Helen Keller's teacher in real life, who is her friend and teacher in this wow. film. And Jonathan, the, the wolf hunter, the mysterious stranger trope that appears to help with training and with dealing with the wolves. Uh, This is, of course,
0: Jonathan Ikea Furniture.
1: Yes, (laughs) full name Jonathan Ikea Furniture. And I have to say uh, another part that I guess is quite a small part of the film, but one that uh, I really enjoyed a lot is the framing narrative. Yeah. Where we have uh, the director of the film, St. James Street James. Oh, yeah. Just spelled as though it would be St. James, St. James but it's not, it's St. St. James Street, James, which is very funny. Yeah. He sets up this, he's kind of one of those, what did they call them on American television? The uh, American classics or something like that where a person introduces the film before it plays. Oh, right. He's in his smoking robe, he's got his eye patch on, very suave character. It's a formal eye patch. It's a, it is. It's an evening eye patch. <laughs> and he introduces the film to us, uh, you know, touting its virtues, explaining that this is the the real true story of Helen Keller. Yes. St. James Street James is played by Ross Patterson. So what we're faced with here is kind of an additional level of performance where all the actors are playing actors who are playing characters. Yeah. Cuz in the intro credits you also see, you know, the actors names come up, but those are fictional actors that the real actors are portraying in order to portray the fictional characters who are based on real people.
0: Yeah, the implication is that in the world of Saint James Street James, it's almost like what the Marvel universe is. <laughs>
1: It's a yeah. whole
0: cinematic universe and all of these films exist in it. He's also credited with FDR American Badass yeah. and Pool Boy Drowning
1: Out the Fury. Yeah, all obviously Oscar-nominated, highly celebrated films that we all know about. Yeah, I, actually just the other <laughs> night someone told
0: me about FDR American Badass at the... No, really.
1: Yeah, the werewolf
0: movie Marathon. Someone was telling me I should really watch that. And I was like, nope, I'm watching Helen Keller versus Nightwolf, sir. That shall be my first. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that kind of framing narrative and that framing convention really sets up what I feel is the total postmodernism of this film. Oh, yeah? If anyone ever asks me to explain postmodernism to them, I'm going to tell them to watch this movie because, at least in terms of. Postmodernism in the arts, it has all the hallmarks. There's a, a, a complete flattening of aesthetic values, of genre conventions, of dramatic structures, of morals, of taste, yes. of high and low culture. Everything in this film is fair game and it's all played at exactly the same level.
0: At face value, the film does appear to be
1: shallow, which
0: I guess yeah. it is. Being postmodern, it is by definition kind of shallow.
1: Yeah. And it extends that shallowness not just to like the jokes, but also anything that could have a dramatic potential or anything that could have like a cathartic or emotional potential. It's all just squashed right down, you know, it's all flat and played at the same deadpan level. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, when Anne dies, which is one of our big inciting incidents, she's walking to get beer, even though she has also been blinded by wolves. Yes. And as she's walking back to the house with the beer, Firstly, why is she outside in the first place? Doesn't matter. Yep. She falls onto a slip and slide. Oh yeah. And literally just slides down into the clutches of a waiting wolf. Yeah. Who then proceeds to tear up and with some of the great special effects work that we've seen in films like uh, Sabretooth yes. or uh, Curse of the Sneemen, um Classic <laughs> <laughs> film,
0: classic film. Yeah. Must
1: watch. And it's it's clear that the movie is completely aware of the fact that they're using, like, a shitty stuffed wolf's head. Yeah. And two little paws. Yeah. Two little paws sticks. that aren't
0: even articulating in the right way. They yeah, seem no, to have, like, human like- elbows behind them.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, uh, but I think you're missing the most effective special effect from this film is when Helen Keller is physically battling the wolves with a sword. Obviously, there were no real wolves except for stock footage uh, that they probably yeah. bought for the film. But then they would throw tiny little husky teddy bear type stuffed animals. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. Her, stuffed animals. <laughs> uh, with like
1: ferocious wolf sounds. Yeah. It's all pretty ridiculous right and so when Anne is eaten by the wolf when she finally dies it cuts really hard all of a sudden back to st james street james in the the video watching room i guess his drawing room his study his sex dungeon not entirely sure
0: he's he does have an air of general espionage about him i don't know how Mm. um, how else to explain it so maybe it's just his a man center.
1: Okay, I'll buy that. So we cut back to that, and he says, I know that death looked super fake, but that was a real wolf. And the actress, Maggie Martindale, unfortunately perished. Yeah. And, and of course, that's not really the actress's, that's not the real actress either. Yeah. So it, anything that could be of an emotional significance or even a plot significance is always undercut throughout the film by these irreverent or cynical interruptions. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of like this movie is coming up and touching a mirror universe. (laughs) You know the mirror of Erised in Harry Potter, where you see your your greatest desire in front of you. Now, this is kind of like seeing the, or the version of the world that you thought was the world when you were like, nine years old yeah (laughs) so this is ross patterson's (laughs) nine year old alter ego perfect human state Uh, is this movie universe that that we're exploring
1: yeah i like that because yeah obviously the the only thing you care about in your art when you're nine years old is whether it's grabbing your attention or not right so yeah it's use of like unrealistic animal props or bad cgi or uh, the stock footage that all is exactly the same and it's yeah. treated you know as legitimately as whatever else is going on
0: yeah even where helen keller runs up to jonathan because she went hunting for geese and she's got this long string of like 32 stuffed yeah. tiny stuffed animal geese on a rope it's just (laughs) more of that she proceeds to smear shit all over jonathan ikea furniture's face Mm -hmm. all the while telling him it's shit that scene also goes on for a long time and it's yeah uncomfortable but it is very like you said it's very attention grabbing yeah you can cut one hell of a trailer out of this film
1: yeah the same thing that they do with the shit smearing on the mouth is something they do throughout the film right keeping the shot just like a minute too long yeah and just really letting us sit with some kind of either puerile or scatological joke or like a really dumb physical comedy routine like helen walking around the house and just literally knocking every single thing onto the ground for what feels like a full 15 minutes it's not
0: but like it literally goes on until she's knocked every single thing over until (laughs) there's nothing left she
1: opens cupboards and throws things from the cupboards onto the (laughs) floor and then pulls out a single block from a a very tall jenga which she doesn't knock over and that's the joke of course not but it's so like deadpan and it It's so long that you, I don't know, you don't really laugh at it. It kind of, yeah, it just becomes this really absurd, uncomfortable thing.
0: In its own way, it's very much like rubber.
1: Yeah, actually, I think there's definitely like a similar artistic mindset at work. Yeah. By the way, please go listen to our episode on rubber if you don't know what we're talking about right now.
0: It's a pretty good ep if i have to say so myself
1: you do have to say so yourself
0: um but that's literally what i will say about any of our episodes
1: is it's a pretty good ep mm. so the question is what is the film saying with all this postmodern cynicism this evening out of of all boundaries
0: i think what it is is it might just be a commentary on the state of entertainment Mm. that people enjoy entertainment the most when it's devoid of meaning when they can just binge watch and yeah turn on and forget yeah 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 yeah. It's, it's just a distraction and where this film every single scene feels like it's trying to distract you from the previous scene to keep you invested
1: yeah Do you think um, St. James Street James is saying that's true of of all culture, not just of mass or or popular culture?
0: Well, I feel like it's especially targeted towards the film industry Mm. because within the framing narrative, it's presented as this is going to be a hit and the best film you'll ever see. Yeah. Okay. look, St. James Street James does tell you to smoke a lot of marijuana before you watch this film he does fair and warning fair Can't warning didn't warn you if you're gonna watch this film and it's legal take the man's advice if you want to or don't whatever you do you <laughs> 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 i'm not gonna tell you how to Very, live your life
1: see that's a that's a post- postmodern of you
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm saying a lot of things but i'm not actually making a stand yeah. on anything or yeah like like,
1: contradicting yourself yeah undermining your own meanings do you think that that's become like a defense mechanism
0: for people it's like zero accountability i'm not gonna commit to anything because our social environment has evolved to a point where it's kind of like a game
1: yeah definitely you took the words right out of Jean-François Lyotard's mouth, who who Ooh. described postmodernism as a series of language games, where, okay. right, as you say, like nothing has any real weight, and we don't really invest in anything, like everything's yeah. kind of ironic and up in the air. So I definitely think that's a, a a huge defense mechanism, and I think the same is true of of the framing narrative of Helen Keller versus Night Wolves, right? Because Ross Patterson can now say that, no, I didn't make a film <laughs> that is <laughs> a little offensive. Um, a, little, a lot of St. James offensive. Street James did it. Yeah. So it's like a really easy way to divorce yourself from being really meaningfully invested in anything.
0: It is interesting, though, that he's going after these historical figures like FDR, Helen Keller, Pool boy, yeah. who can forget pool boy? <laughs> yes. Not me. Never forget pool boy. And that's again the title itself is a distraction. It is. You know what this is? A postmodern exploitation film.
1: It is right. It's it's almost it's exploiting the culture of exploitation films in a sense. Yeah,
0: it's kind of like uh the serpent that consumes itself. I always mess up the pronunciation and please correct me on Twitter. But it's a uh, Oroboros.
1: Oroboros. Auroboros. Ouroboros. That's the Hello. Oh, Hello on Broadway. The Ouroboros. I think that's probably the correct pronunciation. Probably. Auroboros. This episode brought to you by the Unitarian Non-Denominational Intergalactic Church of Electric Freedom. Redeem yourself in the eyes of our alien god, a god from the future, not the past. For 30% off your ceremonial robes, look up at the night sky and know. Yeah, and it's very true what you say. The The film just seems like a succession of moments. None of them ever really being super grounded or yeah. being taken very seriously by anyone, not by the actors or anyone.
0: Like the scenes also, they actively avoid any meaningful experience. Yeah. When when Helen Keller's mother is killed, and she's the first victim of the night wolves, when she's bleeding out from being her having her throat ripped out, I guess, uh, there's not yeah. a lot of gore in this, except some like non-attached guts. A lot of fake blood. Yeah, lots of flake blood. So Helen Keller is kneeling with her mother, and her mother is dying for an extended period of time. All the while, aggressively coughing up blood into Helen Keller's face, making it, (laughs) making the whole scene a farce. Yeah, and it's played deadpan. It's so straightforward. It's supposed to be this emotional trigger for Helen Keller. Yeah, the
1: music gives that cue as well
0: yeah and what keeps happening is every time the actress His name is jesse wiseman uh with, yes. in the film she's billy moynihan i think yeah <laughs> something like that but every time yeah. she starts to emote another spurt of blood hits her and she has to pull her face like oh yeah every time we get close to something meaningful it just distract you
1: yeah does that reflect something about us like how we how we live our lives and deal with our emotional yeah i would uh, say so turmoils
0: i think in the 20th century people were very concerned about finding meaning Mm. and truth but in the 21st century it's we're living in a quotation marks post truth society so (laughs) So it's kind of like people have stopped searching for meaning. They've finally accepted the fact that the only meaning there is is the meaning you create for yourself. And now they actively avoid meaningful interaction. Yeah. It's like the whole human race has become slightly socially anxious.
1: (laughs) Welcome to my level, whole human race. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah, I can agree with that. Like, there are so many scenes where the same kind of thing happens. Like, Helen and John, Jonathan IKEA Furniture are about to make tender love and the music begins. And then all of a sudden, there's a literal, like, um, stage, not stagehand, a set technician with a fog machine just blowing fog right into their faces. Yes. And then we cut to a commercial. Extracting us from
0: our suspension of disbelief ejecting us back into disbelief
1: yeah the fact that this is all fantasy and then we cut hard cut to an ad for van sant (laughs) lawyers or associates or something which is a law law firm that is also given top billing in the film um it stars this law firm yes which also again creates some slippage between corporations and people and Are corporations people, my friend?
0: It calls to mind uh, Adult Swim infomercial.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. That is my second note that I made was like, oh, they're using kind of Adult Swim editing techniques and and kind of um, structural ideas. Yeah, definitely. And so that scene gets undermined completely and utterly. We've already talked about Anne's death. That's also uh, undercut. And when her brother William finally does something good or brave and helpful. I'm saying those both also in air quotes because what he's doing is singing opera. Hey that can be brave. It's very not actually brave. hugely helpful. <laughs> it is it's super brave to, do, to sing opera at a bunch of hungry night wolves. Yeah so the one time he tries and he, he does something and he does it well he sings really beautifully. All of a sudden, there's some hot young twink with a saxophone uh, (laughs) just playing like these awful discordant notes while William's singing opera. (laughs) Yeah. He comes out of nowhere. William's lover just appears, plays saxophone, and then gets eaten by wolves, which isn't that what we're all doing? Appearing, playing
0: saxophone, and being eaten by wolves?
1: (laughs) Yeah life is but a forest and man struts his fitful jazz uh, until the wolves get him right that's the old shakespeare line of course old
0: billy bob shakespeare (laughs) something very interesting to me about william though is have you well obviously you noticed but for the listeners who have not watched this film and i assume you've all watched this film as it's required viewing of course Yeah,
1: I don't know how you're listening to the podcast if you haven't watched the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of tough. So William, every time... He's attacked by night wolves twice. The first time when the whole family gets attacked, he's very snarky, he's very dismissive of the family. He abandons them in the middle of chores, which is what delays Helen's mom outside long enough for the wolves to get her. He is then attacked by the wolves. And as it turns out... His clothes just get shredded and his body is left yeah. completely unharmed. Now, the second time this happens is when his, when he's singing opera and his boyfriend gets eaten, but he's, again, just stripped down naked. It's like every time he's attacked, he, he comes away unscathed. Yeah. I wonder if there's some symbolism to that.
1: It's after he did not get eaten by wolves that uh, I thought that... What this film is saying is that people are stupid and selfish and cruel, and being good doesn't mean you'll be rewarded, and being bad doesn't mean you'll be punished. Yeah, It's an incredibly bleak and cynical look on society and on the world. Yeah,
0: because of course William is the one exploiting everyone. He's the reason that Anne Sullivan is outside... Uh, near the slippy slide in the first place. Uh, James St. James... No, St. James Street James. Uh, I keep messing <laughs> up right. that name. St. James Street James. Of course, then it comes out and says that uh, it was actually Van Sant lawyers that helped him with the lawsuit following uh, the actress's fall <laughs> down <laughs> what a PA on set had set up as a slippy slide covered in butter. That's his explanation. That's what happened there. A slippy slide covered yeah. in butter, and that, and she slid down and was eaten by actual night wolves.
1: And again, there's that bizarre slippage between what is real and what is fictional here. And I think uh, quite masterfully applied at times. Yeah. So yeah, it's not only in the film, but also in the world of Saint James Street, James. Uh, that kind of in that layer the world is also an awful cruel place where no no good deed goes unpunished and in
0: fact you can be rewarded for someone
1: else having a freak accident (laughs) so dark (laughs) i'm happy this is a comedy because i don't think i'd have been able to to keep my sanity up if it wasn't
0: imagine someone made a, a movie like this and then just played it sad Just made it like this droning, soul-consuming. It would be
1: unbearable. Yeah. (laughs) Impossible to watch. I'm going to make that movie. Um, Please don't. I mean, you can if you want to. I'm not going to stop you.
0: You're going to make the movie with me. (gasps) No, (laughs) no. I've been drawn into your web. Exactly. Just one more thing that I want to say is that one of my favorite actresses in horror today, uh, Lin Shay is in this
1: oh that's right there's another layer of meta there's another yeah. framing narrative
0: yeah yeah yeah. it's it's wrapped up twice it's it's kind of like Russia is a mystery wrapped in an enigma baked wrapped in, in an a sourdough of uh, secret served
1: with a, a deceptive tzatziki
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a shifty salad <laughs>
1: Uncle Al here. Due to an administrative error, Uncle Al's has recently come into a large stock of cheaply manufactured batteries. A-A, A-A-A, D-Cell, C-Cell, the whole dang alphabet. We got cheaply manufactured car batteries. We got cheaply manufactured cell phone batteries. We even got some battery chickens. We got a sultan battery. Please, buy these batteries. They're blocking the doors, and I can't get out. Please, help. Other framing narrative is older Helen Keller telling uh, the her life story to her grandkids. Um, and oh, you wanted to say something about Lynch? She is
0: a veteran in in the horror genre. Oh, definitely. Let me let me give you an idea of how many films she's actually been in. On IMDb, she's credited with two hundred and three films. That's uh, a lot with, of movies with a career starting all the way back in 1975 when she played the character known only as Whore on Hester Street.
1: Jesus.
0: <laughs> From there, she went on to, oh, to wow. uh, be teacher in A Nightmare on Elm Street, Kate Simmons in The Twilight Zone, she's in Critters, she's in all of the Insidiouses. Yeah. She's actually in two Nightmare on Elm Street films, the other one being uh, The New Nightmare, where she's nurse
1: with pills. (laughs) She's definitely put in her fair share, I'd say. But I always love, she's always a delight on screen. Yeah, and she she looks like she's a real joy to work with as well. Yeah. And unafraid to do things that go against old lady uh, stereotypes. The other actress who plays Anne Sullivan, I think I really want to commend. She does a great job in this of, I think, nailing the tone of the film, nailing the timing and the rhythm of it. Yeah. And she's also incredibly prolific. Also done, I think, 140 credits on IMDb or whatever. Damn.
0: How do these people find the time for all that work? (laughs) I
1: don't know. They got to pay rent, man. That's true. Stuff out there. I think one other thing I could point out is that the film constantly calls attention to its own kind of filmicness. Yeah. There's the like film scratches that are worked in in post, the overexposures or like film burns, and a lot of kind of repeating scenes or repeating shots.
0: Recycling shots.
1: Yeah. But there's also like, for instance, when Jonathan first approaches Helen. He calls like, hey, need some help? And then the next cut is just back to where he was going, hey, need some help? Just, I guess, kind of Kung Pao-y. But in Kung Pao, it's
0: that particular thing is, like, written into the ground. But in this, it happens once. And it leaves you wondering, like, did that really happen? Or was I just not paying
1: attention? Oh, was that a legitimate accident? Or is that another on-purpose bad thing? Yeah.
0: A strange scene to me was where they go to the diner. And when they arrive, the townsfolk, instead of showing remorse, immediately just start making Helen Keller jokes.
1: Yeah. Interesting that they would know those jokes, right? But that's also something that happens there, again, a flattening or a slippage between the time in which it's set right late 1800s early 1900s the time from that a lot of their stock footage is drawing from which is the 50s and then contemporary time so we have this diner where helen keller and her brother william are in sort of period accurate costume or at least period costume but everyone else in the diner looks completely contemporary like just a bunch of hipsters sitting around in a diner in 2015.
0: Yeah, it creates a sort of dissonance between the two sets of characters and the two locations where Helen Keller lives in a period cabin, but these people are in a modern diner. Yeah.
1: It's done without any regard or like trying to cover it up or or anything like that. It just happens. That's just what it is.
0: Yeah, overall, the film has a wonderful, uh, unique madness to it. And it is entertaining. Do you have anything else that you want to say about Helen Keller versus Nightwolf?
1: No, I think I've said everything I have to say. So how would you rate this film? out of 18 slain night wolves. Jeez,
0: that is a tough scale to me because the wolf is my favorite animal and mm. I did enjoy this full, but I would probably have 18 wolves just come to me and then probably yeah. eat me. So okay. on a scale from one to 18 dead night wolves, I give it one lazy boy. And that lazy boy being you. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> okay. Strangely, I guess I just said I'd die for this movie, but that's not I my think, intention. Yeah.
1: No, I mean you can say it ironically. I guess that's that's in keeping with the film. Okay. <laughs> ironically,
0: I would die for this.
1: Um <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> I think I'd give it solid. 14 out of 18 slain night wolves because I, hmm. I i enjoyed it but i i don't care for it i don't know i don't know yeah. how to, to describe I, I, my reaction to this film
0: i enjoyed it but i wasn't in the right state of mind
1: to enjoy it uh, i liked it but it's not good <laughs> <laughs> that, yes that's exactly that that's exactly what it was
0: that is a valid opinion uh <laughs> and it's the truth and it is in keeping with be positive as well. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay, perfect. Then just before we we close this episode out, obviously we haven't been talking about the real Helen Keller. This is a a complete fictional Helen Keller. But really? I just want to like big ups, no, obviously. <laughs> Of course. I just want to big up the real Helen Keller, who I guess is most known for her advocacy for blind and deaf persons, but her advocacy was always rooted in a very strong sense of universal justice. And she also fought for women's rights, for people of color, for the poor and the working class, especially. And she, she was wont to say that our worst foes are ignorance poverty and greed and I think unironically that that is very true that is true
0: I did want to make like a cheeky little thing of are those the names of the night wolves but I'm not gonna do that
1: <laughs> no we're not trying to be ironic now we're trying to break, break <laughs> out of it, um, it is, it's um, impossible at a, at a Q&A after a speech, someone asked her, uh, which is worse, being blind, being deaf, or being mute? And she said, none. And then he asked, okay, so what is what is the worst affliction? And she said, boneheadedness. So I think, <laughs> you know, Helen Keller, the real Helen Keller had a, had an incredibly sharp wit. You know, it might be offensive to portray Helen Keller as a vengeful ninja, martial artist, sword, Person, but it's uh, less offensive than it is to portray Helen Keller as just some sweet naive person who didn't have anything going on beyond her being blind and deaf. So that's true
0: so in a weird ironic way this was respectful. <laughs>
1: God, we're going in circles! <laughs> <laughs> But I think so. Then,
0: uh, I guess that brings us to the end of Helen Keller versus Nightwolves and week one of our five week craziness.
1: Werewolf mania. I've got it.
0: (laughs) I'm like a werewolf trying to talk. (laughs) Give snacks. Next week, (laughs) next week on Be Positive. Werewolf Appreciation Month edition, we're watching Wolf Cop! God damn! Stone
1: Cold Classic, yes!
0: Yeah, Wolf Cop! Uh, one of my favorites, to be honest, and another comedy-ish thing. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. Uh, and then if you're looking for us, you want to tweet at us, have some opinions about Helen Keller versus Night Wolves, you can send it to us on Twitter, Facebook, we're at Stay Scary on both of those things. I almost said on all of the social Mm -hmm. medias, but we're not. Not on Pinterest. Not on Pinterest, but we should be. That's where all the hot podcast action is. Oh yeah. (laughs) As always, you stay scary. The spooky dogs yell at the spooky moon. They are spooky dogs. Did you see uh, when Helen Keller receives the sword that Jonathan Ikea Furniture forged for her? It says natural born Keller
1: on the blade. Yeah. I don't see that. It's also the tagline on the on the DVD case. For real? Oh man! Yeah, yeah, yeah.